0: Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to sit down and chat to amazing humans about their journeys with mental health. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Michael McSperrin to the conversation. Welcome, Michael.
1: Hi, Matt. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you as well. Um, So as always, just a very brief introduction from me, how we got to this recording, and then I'll let you do uh, the proper conversation about who you are and tell people all about where you are and what you're doing. Um, So Michael and I, we've known each other for for a little while now, I guess, uh, maybe a couple of years even And through COVID, um, the world of travel changed quite significantly. I think um, that's fair to say, as many people will understand listening, Um, but we've stayed connected, followed each other. Um, I know Michael, you're a big supporter of the work we're doing as well in the mental health space. So, you know, I always love to catch up and chat to people about their own experiences, their own motivations, which is why we're together today, recording this conversation. So welcome, Michael. Tell everybody a little bit more about yourself, what you're doing.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm Michael McSperrin. Um, I'm originally from London. Uh, I live out in Krakow now in Poland. Uh, been here for almost 15 years. Um, I uh, Professionally, I work for a company called AMS. Uh, we're a talent acquisition company. I've been with them for, ooh, since 2010. So good while now, 12 years. Um, and I am part of the facilities and travel department. Um, so I look after the travel program and, and uh, kind of office functionality and all those sorts of things. Last couple of years though, I've uh, been taking a bit of time out. Um, so I've had two kids during COVID. I kept myself busy. Yep. Uh, um, so I uh, had my, my little boy, James, who's coming up to two and a half. Um, he was born just at the beginning of the pandemic and a uh, little girl, Sophie, she was born in January this year um so um, so yeah it was uh, an interesting couple of years of uh, dealing with a global pandemic as well as two kids um uh, for the first time so that was uh, that was interesting should we say but um but yeah I, I was fortunate that I could get uh time off um, from AMS um, which was funded by the Polish government um so essentially in, in place of my wife taking maternity leave she's self-employed so didn't really make much benefit for her. Um, I could go and take paternity leave for nine months. Um, so um, so I'm currently on paternity leave uh, until January. Um, so I, I get the, 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 the daddy time uh, with the two little ones, which is great. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I've, I've been married for seven years. As I say, I'm originally from London. Bit of a background to Poland and Ireland. So I've probably got a bit of an identity crisis. I don't really know where I am or where I'm from. Um, I do know there's a lot of alcohol There's a lot of Catholic guilt involved in that, Um, you know, Irish and Polish. It's just that's that's all you get, really. Um, But uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, a little bit about me
0: amazing well it's brilliant and I, I think we're going to delve a little bit deeper into some of those elements as well because uh, it's fascinating to have a, a, a sort of a, I guess a, a stay-at-home dad a little bit in that for a yeah. few months you know with that experience you're going through so it's wonderful um, and congratulations on the birth of your two children as well um, and uh, you know during COVID of course that's never easy right uh, for okay. it's been through <laughs> those experiences but there's a bigger story to be told here as well there's a big journey and the big you know, the important factor in these conversations is learning more about you and your journey with mental health. And I'm sure all those elements that you've already outlined have a big big play on that as well. So I'm gonna leave that thought with you and I'm gonna let you tell us a story, Michael. I just wanna yep. understand more about your journey with mental health. Yeah,
1: I mean, mine mine started well over 20 years ago when I was in my teens. Um, so I uh, I, had, I didn't have a difficult childhood. I had quite a nice childhood, I would say. My Both my parents were teachers. Um, but uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't really see myself in a positive light. I, I struggled socially um, and you know, I, I didn't find it easy to, to, to kind of make lots of friends and things like that. And when I was 17, I was in my second year of, of A-levels and uh, believe it or not, I, I got an ear infection, which everyone gets you know, once a time, you know, once yeah. in their lives, I guess. Um, ear infection that um, within a week had gone from being a bit of an earache to me being in hospital having surgery to release the pressure. Wow. Um, so, um, in that time, I lost the movement on the right side of my face, which you can probably still see to some extent. Um, quite often, people <clears throat> think, Are you okay? You know, if, if I go and see a doctor, they, they're always worried that I'm having a stroke. Wow. Um, and um, I lost my balance. So, I completely lost all sense of balance whatsoever. And the room was just constantly spinning. And I also ended up with tinnitus on my right side as well. Um, All of those I've still got to some extent, my balance is better, um, but I do still get vertigo attacks, a bit like Meniere's disease, which um, some people may know about. And um, yeah, I mean, I I ended up in hospital for about six weeks in total, trying to do rehab and everything. Uh, Got released, went back in again. And so I went through this really kind of, this horrible journey of a 17 year old being on an adult ward yep. at the hospital. Uh, they didn't signal on the kid, kid's ward, but I was surrounded by, you know, uh, elderly people um, kind of thinking, right, what what do I do here? You know, my, my A-levels, my un, you know, uni results, my uni applications, everything were kind of all up in the air. It was uh, November time um, and I was sitting there thinking, now what? And I remember at the time I was working at W. H. Smith's part time on the weekends, and I remember phoning up my boss. Um, I'd had the surgery on the Friday, and I phoned them on the Saturday to say I'm really not, so- I'm I'm really sorry I can't come in today because um, I just had surgery yesterday, but I'll try and be in tomorrow. Uh-huh. My mum was at the other end of the bed, and she just smacked me on the foot and said, "You've just had surgery yesterday. You will not be in tomorrow." And Smiths were great, you know. My boss was brilliant, and she said, yeah. "No, no, it's all right. You." you just get better, yeah. but you know, that, that was, you know, that was kind of um, my, uh, my work ethic coming out at the time. And yeah, everything just kind of crashed away. It took me about nine months to recover. And uh, by then I, I then went to work full time for Smiths. I'd missed that whole year of, of A-levels and I thought to myself, I'll give myself a year off, work a little bit, earn a little bit of money, really recuperate, really recover, and then go back and do my A-levels. And I never did. I never went back. Um, I just loved working. I loved earning money and learning things by doing them. And um, I thought that was, at the time, I thought that was the best way for me to deal with it. Um, the reality was I was still struggling socially. I was still struggling you know, with how I looked. I, I, to this day, I can still feel the difference when I smile or when I have any facial expressions. You know i would always walk down the street and people would look at me and people would think you know what's wrong with you or you know what's wrong with your face and, and those sorts of things and you know you, you you're in your, your late teens early 20s and it it hits you you know it, it's it kind of makes you very self-conscious about yourself um you know all my school friends had gone off to uni i was working in retail and it's it was a, a real kind of um bumpy journey i would say um, where I didn't really know who I was. I'd lost my identity. And it got, to, it got to the darkest point was I was stood on the edge of a bridge in Southwest London um, because I just, I didn't know who I was anymore. And I didn't want to be that person anymore um, who, who was frankly lost. Um, so um, that twice happened to me where I stood on that bridge um, on two separate occasions. More often than not, I remember the trigger for one of them was was just a really bad day at work, um, and the other trigger I don't even remember. It was it was so insignificant that yeah. I can't actually remember the second trigger. Um, but I just remember thinking to myself, I, I, "I just this is too much, you know. I'm 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 not happy," and the only thing that stopped me at the time was the thought of my family, of my loved ones, and what was going to happen to them? You know, the thought of how how would my mum feel? How would my dad feel? How would my my, you know, my wider family feel about hearing that news? You know, they knew that I was struggling. They, you know, I'd been to the doctor. I'd I'd you know reached out for help to my GP, and I'd, I'd been on antidepressants, but the antidepressants just made me numb. They just made me what's the word? They they made me feel as if nothing. Yeah. They just they they numbed it so they didn't they didn't suddenly make me happy you know everyone calls them happy pills they're not <laughs> pills all they do is they just dull the the extreme darkness and just kind of make you feel like you're not really there you know um, so um, so yeah so that that kind of took me through a period into my early twenties where I changed jobs I went into recruitment I then went and worked for Carphone Warehouse for a couple of years in their headquarters. And um, I think it got to a point where I needed to reset myself. I needed to, to kind of almost decide who I was. And I couldn't do that back at home in London where I was. And so what I decided was I was going to move to Poland. I, I was looking to buy a flat over here as an investment. Uh, that was 2007, just before the financial crash when prices were sky high. So my timing couldn't have been better, um, and um, what happened was I I came over, realized everything was too expensive, and I just I thought sod it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go and see what happens. Found a job with a great um, small family run business, helping them to run kind of online marketing and, and printed marketing here in Krakow and around Eastern Europe for for tourists, and uh, I spent two years with them. Uh, I'd initially come over just with the idea in my mind of doing six months and see how it goes. And um, six months came and went and 15 years later, I'm still here. But it was, that was probably the two years with them really helped me to get over to some extent my past Mm. because I came over here, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the language. Um, All I had was a job. I needed to find somewhere to live and, and, and everything. And it was difficult. It was really hard, but it it almost showed me that I could do these things, that I could cope, and it helped me along the way. I had bumps in the way, you know. I, I had you know struggles like anyone would, um, but as time went by, you know, I joined AMS in, in 2010, and you know that that's been a great you know uh, kind of stable part of my life um, since then as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, fast forward 10 years beyond that. Because that was rather uneventful, other than meeting my wife, of course, and, and you know, getting married. Yeah. But, um, you know, th- then COVID hit. And, and COVID really wasn't something I was expecting. I remember when it hit, I was in London uh, at a, the business travel show. And um, we were all thinking, all right, okay, how, what does this all mean? How does this all work? What, what's going to happen? My wife was, what, seven months pregnant. She was over in London with me. We came back and a few weeks later, we were all in lockdown. Um, so James was born uh, without me. I wasn't allowed to be there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I was asked what my blood type was, I didn't know. So uh, when uh, when my wife was in, in induced labor, um, I was down at the clinic trying to get my blood type and uh, they, they were saying, sorry, we're closed, we can't help you. At that moment, my wife phoned time me and and thankfully all was okay because I, I had three hours of blackout, no no news, no nothing right. and all I could hear was him crying in the background. I, I just collapsed to the ground and pulled yeah. my eyes out and I, I always say it was the, the best and worst day of my life, um, mm. you know, knowing what she was going through but also, you know, him being okay yeah and then, uh, yeah, raising him and, and, you know, dealing with all of that and coming back to work, you know, th- you know, that was... From man as a, you know as a guy that was a, a strange experience you know AMS have been great with me and so supportive but you can't help but feel nervous that you're going to have a job to come back to when you left in the middle of a pandemic yeah and you know people have lost lost their jobs and everything um, and then the week I went back to work in May last year um, I think it was three days in my wife I, I came back from the office and my wife was waiting for me with my son. She gave me a piece of paper, said, oh, James has done a drawing for you. I said, oh, that's nice. Opened it up and it said, we're pregnant again. And then an expletive. <laughs> and I just went, what? Oh. And uh, yeah, so that wasn't planned. Um, so that was an interesting conversation with my boss uh, one week in.
0: Uh, oh my gosh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, so that was interesting. So we yeah. went through a second pregnancy uh and sophie again she was she was early induced um but this time thankfully i was able to be there uh, i wanted to be there for my wife because she had such a traumatic time yeah so we booked a private suite and just said look this is what savings is for to yeah. give you a positive you know experience and so that's what we did we uh, we had that she had a fair few complications some difficulties with it um, and and she was born in the beginning of january thankfully all all okay But it was, it was funny, November last year, I remember October, November last year, just something just hit me. And I don't know if it was, you know, fourth or fifth wave or whatever it was of of COVID and having James, another baby on the way, I knew it was a girl and I just suddenly got overwhelmed, massively overwhelmed. And November last year, I remember just coming to a point where my thoughts became really irrational. Um... Where I started thinking that Alina and the kids would be better without me—that you know that I was a burden to them, um, that I you know I couldn't provide for them, I couldn't give them what they needed—and um, there was no real rhyme or reason to it. It just it snuck up on me, um, and uh, I found myself in a very dark place, having sui- suicidal thoughts again, and I, I knew straight away what was happening. I knew that they, these were irrational thoughts, yet I couldn't turn them off, mm. and it, it was it was almost like an internal dialogue saying, "Shut up, Michael! You, you you're talking rubbish," but deep down, it was still there, and so I knew I needed to get help. So I, I, I reached out to a psychiatrist straight away, um, got myself onto some meds, um, and uh, started you know seeking some therapy um and I'm, I'm still on that journey you know it's, it's a mixture of depression and anxiety um which i think the last couple of years have really um kind of contributed to but as my therapist has said you know it's it's also to a large extent you know ptsd from what happened to me when i was a teenager um so um so yeah so i, I mean i'm i'm on that journey of, of kind of always aware of it you know from from what happened to me when i was 17 yeah, that was a real trigger of, of feeling it. And it's always there. I get these balanced attacks or, or, you know, somebody mentions something or, you know, what's wrong with your face or whatever. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a reminder, you know? Yeah. Um, and then when, when I was going through that patch in November and December, you know, January came around and Sophie was born and, and I was delighted to have her and everything, but I was still going through a pretty rough period But I remember thinking to myself you know I've I've been on this journey for 20 odd years now and it's not showing any time any signs of ending because it's not and it won't um you know it's not something that you can just cure um and so I just I remember thinking to myself I feel really crap here I feel really really rubbish and I wanted something good to come out of it it was almost like this moment of if I'm going through this but I knew that I needed help and I went out and got it and obviously didn't go through anything that I was thinking at the time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make sure that it, it would maybe help somebody else. So that's when I kind of resolved to, you know, not not become some kind of preacher about this, but just to kind of share with other people that it's okay. And, you know, um, spread a bit of kindness, you know, spread a bit of support and a bit of happiness because, I had it, and I was lucky that I had it, but I didn't feel it, yeah. and I know what that's like. You know, it's you know when you're going through that dark period. Loads of people say, "Oh, but we you know we're here for you. We love you. Come and talk to me," and, and you know all those sorts of things. But when you're really down in the depths, you don't want to because you don't see the point. You don't see the self worth. You think that people are just saying that for the sake of saying it. Yeah. Um, and you don't believe it, even though you know it's your own flesh and blood. It's your mother, your dad, your brother, your sister, your best mate, and you're going, oh. And that's what happened to me last last November. My best mate, he's like a brother to me, and um, I didn't reach out to him. And it was only one of my LinkedIn posts a few weeks <laughs> later that he just happened to come across. Yeah, and he phoned me straight away. He said, "Why didn't you tell me?" And I said, "Well, mate, you know you." you've got three kids, you know, you've got everything going on with you. And, and he's, he's gone through his own journey as well. And I just didn't want to burden him. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to kind of go to him saying, I'm feeling really crap, you know? Um, and so that's where I am now. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I have weekly therapy sessions um, and I go uh, see my psychiatrist once a month as well to, to check on the right meds. Cause obviously you can't, you, you're very lucky if you get on the right meds on the first go. Um, and I'm, I'm in a phase now where, you know, I, I spend so much time with my kids that I want things to be better for them. I want them to grow up in a world where they can talk about their feelings, where they can talk about whether they're happy or sad or, or whatever it might be. Um, so that hopefully for generations to come, it's not a taboo, like it may have been in the past.
0: Wow. Big thing, isn't it? But I think I think that's great I think that's great I'll,
1: I'll breathe
0: yeah yeah you can take a breath for a moment let me let me, <laughs> let me summarize where we're at in there um I, you, you know it's incredible and I, like I always say and you know I've said it a million times but you know I, I love the fact that you can really connect and you can share that story to people and and you know and I don't love the thought you've been through it of course that's why I would always say you know it's, it's the love of the fact that I can just listen to you talking honestly and genuinely about the experiences you've been through and that's the beauty of this conversation it's really you know, I I still see you as the amazing person you were before I learned about your journey and I now see you as an even more amazing person because of your journey, you know, and and it's that big challenge, isn't it, societally? And, you know, we we had a little conversation before we came to this recording and, you know, I think one of the observations that I gave was not many men are doing these conversations in this format because maybe there's a fear, maybe there's a You know, what are are your thoughts around that? Because obviously, you know, we're two two men who are coming together to talk about mental health openly and and we don't hire,
1: so... And I think do you know it, it's it's funny. I mean, the last few years you've had a lot of celebrities, you know, football players and people yeah. like that, coming out to talk about this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's still done very quietly. It's almost as if I don't want I don't want to say this too loudly, but all right, I'll go and do it quietly. Yeah. But then nobody knows that it's happening, right? Yeah. And I think the the, the hardest thing for a man. I found it quite hard. Um, when I started talking about my feelings, you know, my wife told her parents, for example, um, and they, they, they were shocked. They thought, well, oh, crikey, yeah. you know, what, what does this mean? Is, is he okay? Do we need, you know, what do we need to do? Um, and I think as, as a guy in particular, you kind of feel as if there's an expectation for you to just get on with things. And I think yeah. that's, that's, that's the hard part: is to acknowledge and admit that you're, you know, you're human, and that you can go through these emotions. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a weeper. I'll have a good cry, okay. um, and um, I've done that, you know, at, at work sometimes. You know, I've done it with, you know, with with my bosses in the past, and I remember years ago I was really embarrassed about it, and I I, I remember the first time it happened, I said to my boss at the time, I said, I'm so sorry. You know, the, something came over me. It will never happen again. And and she said to me, she said, "Don't ever apologize for that. Don't don't ever be sorry for showing your emotions." Yeah. And she she was grateful for me for actually being honest and open. And I think for a guy, there's almost you know this element of not losing face, not losing your reputation or whatever it might be. You know, it's it's you know survival of the fittest, and let's show how macho we are and everything else. Yeah. And that, that's all well and good, but how many times are we going to talk about the number of, you know, young men that are killing themselves? You know, as the highest killer of guys, you know, what if under thirty or under uh, under forty? Yep. That's got to stop. Um, and that's where I think you know conversations like this really. Ha- well, I would hope will help <clears throat> and give others confidence, um, because otherwise, you know. Do we all really want to just be miserable it's not it's not really a nice thing to do is
0: it i don't think i don't don't think we're set out to be miserable are we i think it it comes about because of a certain set of things that happen or certain certain circumstances or events or things and it's so difficult isn't it especially in this moment in time you know again it's another conversation we've already had but you know there's a lot of negatives out there and it's not easy to find positives you know we just want the sun to shine and people to be happy that's the key right and and it's so difficult at times to find that especially with the world that we're in right now it's 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 not easy is it and it's so so challenging um a quick if I if I can ask you a question about in terms of sort of with your wife of course you know she was going through you know the experience of becoming a mother and then obviously you were struggling a bit with your mental health how did she you know find that balance how was she able to support you were you were you talking Uh, to her about it I guess it's probably the first question
1: so at the beginning I, I, I didn't want to um she was she'd had problems with her pregnancy with James and so then started with Sophie as well mm-hmm. um, not mentally but but just physical yeah. Um, yeah. blood level things and I was petrified of telling her because mm-hmm. I didn't want to put that weight on her I didn't I didn't want to give her something else to worry about you know she was worried about herself and worried about the baby yeah. um, but in the end I, I knew I had to um, and I did it in a I suppose in maybe a typical male way of I said look this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing about it. Okay. You don't need to worry about me. Yeah, I'll be fine. And kind of brushed it to one side. Mm. Of course, you know, she she read through the lines and and you know, knew what was going on. Um, but I, I had to tell her um, because she knew that something wasn't right. She could see that that I was irritable. That I was, you know, that I'd, I'd lost any kind of sense of drive or motivation with anything. And I, I just yeah. wasn't. I wasn't very happy with myself. Um, so um, credit to her, you know what 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 she did and what she went through was frankly remarkable. And and I I'm now a true believer of of you know women are incredibly stronger than men in many many ways. Um, it's not about physical strength okay. uh, necessarily, but the mental strength and and the the ability they have to give birth to a child. And to go through the pregnancy for nine months and, and all the things that come with it, I think is outstanding. It's it's a true magical piece of life, um, and um, that's kind of where I want you know why I wanted to go on paternity leave. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to break down those barriers as well to some extent. You yeah. know, I, I know I'm lucky to have that. I'm very lucky to have yeah. that opportunity to do that. You know, not that men. Very few men will have the opportunity to take nine months off from work. look after their kids but i knew that that's what i wanted to do and hands down it is the best job i have ever had and i will ever have i absolutely love being a dad um you know the kids will scream and shout and everything else and i'll be changing nappies and all that sort of stuff but i love it i absolutely love it um it's the most rewarding thing you know to to get You know, just before I I came to to log on to to talk to you, my little boy James came up to me and just said, "Daddy go, Daddy go," and I was like, "Yeah, Daddy's going, but I'll be back." Okay, (laughs) and it just it melts my heart every time. And I know when I walk in that door uh, later on, he will literally come running up to me and give me the biggest hug. And it it's it doesn't matter what's happening. Yeah, that just melts everything else away. Um, and that's. That's something I've really come to value and treasure, particularly over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, is is that time with him and with Sophie as well, um, and it's 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 nice to see it from the angle of what women have been going through for so many years. You know, if I if I was gonna say anything to any father, if you get your time to get off the kids, do it, absolutely do it, yeah. because um, it's worth every penny absolutely worth every penny and the kids will love you for it in years to come they really will um and you know if if we can get more guys doing that if we can get more men taking their allowance or or even maybe taking a bit more to help um then it won't be such an imbalance and it won't be such a fear factor for women when they go on maternity leave and come back thinking have i got a job to come back to yeah because if men and women are going through that process well, then we shouldn't be afraid of anything. We should be happy and, you know, able to embrace parenthood and then come back to the world of work with all of our new multi-skills or or multitasking skills that we've established (laughs) over time, you know, (laughs) Uh, and, you know, and and bring those to
0: the world of work. I love that. And it's, you know, I, I think that just is a reminder, isn't there? There's two parents here. Absolutely. You know, and it, yeah. it, it often it's lean on one parent to do everything and be the big sort of lead of the parenting community within that household. And I think that's great. And I and I will say to you though, Michael, cherish those moments when your little boy comes running to you at the door. Because having teenagers in my house, that doesn't tend to happen. It's very, very unusual even to get a noise when I walk through the door, let, let alone a, a child come running to me. So yeah. and that's that,
1: that's why I'm taking that leave now at the beginning they're too little all i'll get is a little bit of a cry or a weep. that's yeah. fine but yeah, yeah. That's absolutely absolutely
0: <laughs> yeah but look out for that seriously it will change yeah. very suddenly and you won't see it coming so. oh it'll happen overnight <laughs> yeah. that's that's when you go and get a dog or something you know it <laughs> genuinely replaces that I, I, I do believe that's what happened in my house actually really my dog's gonna be 10 years old, just coming up. So happy birthday to him soon. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, he's the one that constantly whenever I walk through the door now is, he's, he's always there, you know, to say hello. Um, we're coming right to the end. And I, I just can't believe it. Cause this just feels like it's just, you know we've only just started. And I feel there's a million questions we could talk about and ask. Um, so. In terms of a sort of a final wrap from you, I just want you to sort of just say a few final thoughts, you know, Jerry Springer style, just a few final thoughts from you, what you want to do, passions and things with all of this conversation about mental health. I,
1: I really want to promote people talking about it, particularly men, um, I, that, that for me is a really key thing. Uh, I, I want to see that improve. I want to see men embrace their feelings and embrace the fact that they can talk to one another. They can talk to their wives, their partners, their parents. whoever it needs to be um and there's professional help out there and i also really want you know dads to feel like they can be dads and not be ashamed of it or not be embarrassed about it um i think we've come a long way i think it's a lot better than it would have been decades ago but you know there's still you know fathers out there who feel like i just need to go out and earn the money i need to go out and bring bring home the bread um and you know they're missing out on so much you know, they're missing out on that huge amount. So I would love, you know, anyone who ever wants to have a chat or talk about it, you know, I'd love for people to reach out and, and you know, say hello. Um, and uh, yeah, when I'm, you know, when I'm back at work, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing my colleagues as well because AMS do a great amount of work on that sort of stuff. So um, hopefully, you know, I can get more involved in those sorts of things in the future. Um, and yeah, you know, as I said, spread a bit of kindness. You know, it doesn't cost us anything. All right
0: so and you're absolutely right spread a bit of kindness and, and what I found fascinating was it, I was just sort of thinking about how we got to this recording and I know I always mention it at the beginning we've been connected for a while but you did spread some kindness recently because you reached into me when you saw I was struggling with some stuff and I think that's just that's just the beauty of it isn't it you don't yeah. have to we don't have to live together we don't have to live in each other's pockets all the time but sometimes and I just send that as a message to everybody listening really is if you see something that you think is not right or if you're worried about somebody is just reach in you know it's 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 half the time we ignore it and we just think oh somebody else to reach in and do that it will all be fine and and you know what it's really powerful and so thank you for for reaching in michael i genuinely do and that's where we started saying well maybe we should get together and have a chat about this stuff yeah. um yeah. talking of men bringing home the bread you're sat in your wife's cafe um <laughs> although it's not a bread i don't know if it's a bread cafe but there's definitely <laughs> lots of cake, lots of cake in the background as well Plenty yeah. Cake. <laughs> yeah for everybody that's listening you know you won't be able to see it but i genuinely did have a little tour of the cake stand uh the, the delic- <laughs> uh, delicatessen counter behind him um i wish i could eat it i really do but it's so far away um, listen Michael it's been an absolute pleasure and as you say you know if anybody's listening they do want to reach out they do want to ask you any questions if there's any men out there who want to chat to another fellow about you know whatever it is you can reach into either Michael or myself you're more than welcome to just look after yourselves everybody you know this is what it's all about we need to take notice when things are changing um you know we don't often know Well, sometimes we don't know and we just sort of live through that and just expect to get better and actually there's no shame in reaching out really there shouldn't be we've got to break down these barriers and these stigmas and all the other wonderful things that we put up um in the way of talking openly about mental health that's what this is all about really um so brilliant stuff michael thank you so much i really appreciate all your time and for sharing your story it's been amazing to listen to you and um and i look forward to seeing you uh hopefully business travel show next year maybe you going to be that. that's, that's
1: my plan that's my plan
0: there you go i'll be tracking you down for a hug because that's what i tend to do absolutely all the all the best buddy to you and your family look after yourself you. and uh yeah i hope you keep well cheers okay see you soon